Welcome to Chatting with Chap Rose Resource Room. Today, I'm delighted to have a special guest, Laura House, and I'll give Laura a moment to share her journey, tell us who she is and why I'm so excited about this conversation. Before I do so, I just wanted to say that Laura works with an amazing organization. It's a nonprofit whose purpose is to minister to grieving families and to provide encouragement to those who are suffering and really educate and equip individuals like us to reach out to those in need. So Laura, it is a pleasure having you here. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us about Our Hearts Are Home. Well, thank you so much. I am delighted to be here today. Um, CHAP is actually very close to my heart because we homeschooled our children. We have three kids. Um, two of them live here in Lynchburg, Virginia, where we are, and they're both married. And we have one child, our youngest, um, who went to heaven when he was 25. Um, but we've been to CHAP so many times. I worked for over 20 years for the Institute for Excellence in Writing. So I was an exhibitor at uh, the conference. Wow, I don't know how many times, a lot of times, and um, speaking in exhibitor workshops and all. So CHAP has always been a a special place uh, for my family. So I'm delighted to be here. Um, our background, I mentioned that I homeschooled. My husband was a pastor many years ago, but most of, of his career, he was a professor um, in pastoral ministries and evangelism discipleship area. And um, I was a homeschool mom and just absolute one of the biggest blessings and delight of our lives was that opportunity. And as people today are tuning in as homeschoolers, you know, there's some unique things about homeschoolers. Um, our kids have always been our very best friends and other people experience that as well, but we're together pretty much all the time and learning together was just a, a real um, delight for us. So we reside in, in Virginia now. Yeah. Thank you. It's always so beautiful to hear people who are at the end of the journey who have finished and they look back so beautifully and so positively it's always reassuring to hear that so thank you for that reflection on what a great journey it has been for people like me who are still in the trenches that's hopeful and it's reassuring so thank you <laughs> and I didn't know that you worked with IEW I love IEW my son literally went from this eloquent oral report and then on paper the it was big. It was when I'm like, whoa, 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 what just happened? And then we started doing <laughs> IEW 360. So thank you for your service there. <laughs> IEW has been a blessing in our homeschool journey personally. Yeah, it sure was for us too. My story was similar to yours. I had tried everything. So it was a blessing. Yeah. yeah. So tell me how you came to this work. You mentioned Nathan yeah. went to be with the Lord, went to heaven at age of 25. Yes. I want to actually show you his picture. This is our Nathan. And um, Nathan was electrical engineer and uh, went to Liberty University. All three kids actually graduated from Liberty. And um, through his last few years, we recognized that he was struggling with some depression, but you really only recognize it if you were really super close to him, like his mom. And he was saying, you know, he's so busy. He um, was quite accomplished. He had his own business and um, was a straight A student, started the robotics club. I mean, he was very, very busy. So it made sense. You're just stressed. There's a lot going on. Well, there was a lot more than that going on. And we look back now and can see really at puberty is where an issue began. And he saw that at the end of his life as well. But at the time, we sure didn't. Um, he was kind of the go-to for everyone. If you had a problem, 
you called Nathan. You know, we joked that he was our uh, 1-800-NATHAN, our tech support and the person that could, you know, he had the engineering brain very logically uh, walk through your issue and help you. Extremely kind. Um, he, it, it, for the underdog all the time, you know, if you had something you needed, he was there for you. Um, and he graduated in 2015. And in 2016, Nathan's um, depression worsened. He was not uh, in the States. He actually wanted to go to language school overseas and ended up dying by suicide. When that happened, um, honestly, to me, that would have kind of been a dirty word. I never used that word. <laughs> you know, to me, all my life, that was just a horrible word. And I didn't even, I didn't know anybody whose life had been touched by suicide. Um, and honestly, this is amazing to me to think back at, but I really didn't have any friends that I knew had lost children. Now, I know now that some of them did and didn't even say it because they had miscarriages, which is a child in heaven. This is a huge loss, um, but they hadn't mentioned that. But at that time, I knew no one who'd lost a child. And so um, if you haven't experienced child loss, trying to think of how to describe it, you know, I tell People sometimes, I worked for IW, we're a language company. What are the words to describe it, you know? And um, let's see, decimated? No. Devastated? No. There really isn't a word in my vocabulary that actually can adequately express what it feels like to lose your child. Um, you know, you're a mom and you know how you feel about your children. <laughs> so when this happened, we started searching for help. And we went online. <laughs> Isn't that what we all do these days is start Googling. There's got to be help out there. And really back in 2016, there really wasn't much out there and anything that was faith-based. And we kept searching and searching. Surely there have to be people that love Jesus like we do that are clinging to him that we can surround ourselves with. So because of the lack of everything out there, a couple years down the road, we just felt that we should start a website. And that's what initially this was going to be of just resources. So when other parents started Googling like we do, they'd find um, where your true hope can come from and that is Christ. So we started a website and then we thought, well, let's just do a gathering. Let's just invite parents to come together. And at that time I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, working with IW out there. And um, we had 35 parents come that we didn't know. We just advertised it and 35 came. Then we remembered saying, I don't know if anyone will talk. Well, nobody stopped talking. It was a, a, from a 10 to 3 event. And it was kind of like the Lord just impressed on us. Okay, guys, this is what you need to be doing. Um, then COVID hit. <laughs> and you can't have gatherings all over the country in small little rooms um, in the middle of that. So we are not techie at all. Nathan had all the techiness to him. Um, but we thought, we've heard of Zoom. Let's just try it. And just like today, I feel like I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm not, but I feel like I'm there, you know, just having a conversation with you. And that's exactly what started happening. And the beauty of that, doing so much online, is that we have parents from all over the country and even parents from other countries that, you know, tune in. Um, so today, Our Hearts Are Home is a, um, a very large number of people. Um, we have 
about 22 now, uh, other bereaved parents that are also leading book studies. Uh, we have Grief Share Online. We do gatherings on Saturdays, uh, small group events, support groups, all kinds of things. It's all totally free. And we just want bereaved parents to find community. And also in that community and within the structure of what we do, they're also being challenged to turn to Jesus <laughs> and being challenged. I mean, some of these book studies are amazing. Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. I don't know if you're familiar with that on the language of lament. Everybody needs to read that. You know, we all live on earth. We all experience suffering. Um, C.S. Lewis, there's, there's so many wonderful books. Um, so anyway, that's what we do. Um, we also started conferences. I mentioned this to you before. Um, about two years ago, we just, the Lord just laid on our heart that we needed to, to have an opportunity for conferences. When you Google looking for a conference for brief parents, there are some out there and um, wonderful people, but it's not faith-based. You know, their hope is not in the fact that we're going to, we're going to be with our kids again. You know, Nathan's with Jesus. He's where I want to be, <laughs> but um, I'm not there yet, but he's there. And so I'm not grieving for Nathan. I'm grieving for me. I'm grieving for our family, you know. Um, and so we felt that we should start a conference for bereaved parents specifically. And actually, our first conference we held at IEW out in Tulsa a year and a half ago. The next one was um, quite a bit larger. We had that in Indianapolis. And now in April, we have one here in Lynchburg, Virginia. And anyone who is a bereaved parent, a bereaved grandparent, and also... Mm, probably 90% of the um, workshops uh, would be 100% helpful and appropriate just for everyone. So if someone's a believer and just wants to be able to be equipped to help someone who's grieving, um, they will also enjoy it. So uh, the conference has a very small fee, but I want to say on here that anybody who wants to come can come. So, you know, if somebody, they can just email me, we'll add you to the roster. So that's, we just have a small fee to try to help cover costs. So we're really excited about that. I could go on and on because there's, we've have some books that are great resources. Now we start a podcast, we have a blog and there's a lot of other resources, but somebody can go to the website and check that out. You have a heart of gold and you are so brave for you to be doing this work with your own grieving and your own experience of loss just shows how you've taken this pain and made it into purpose. And I think it's such a beautiful thing that you're doing. And I know it cannot be easy, even though, you know, on the flip side, I am going to see my Nathan again, you know, Nathan is in a better place, right? Like we know all these things intellectually, but in our heart is a completely different thing when you have to experience it. One question that just came to me is how do you prevent yourself from re-traumatization? Right. Like there's sometimes when people do advocacy or public policy work or they share their lived experience and while they're doing it because they want to help other people. How do you nurture your own soul and your own spirit to make sure that you're not constantly reliving what happened with Nathan? That's a really good question. And I think my answer is probably not what you're expecting, <laughs> but that's a very excellent question. Um, and in pretty much every other field, you know, if you were a police officer, a nurse in an ER, those kinds of things, I, I would totally identify. But actually with the grieving parent community, it's like the homeschool community. You know, I could go to a homeschool event and I knew no one, but I feel like they're all my best friends, right? Yeah. Walk in the door and we've got 
all these other homeschool moms and you, you feel like you're distant cousins. That's just the connection. And mm-hmm. honestly, that's the connection with grieving parents. When you're in a room full or a Zoom room full of grieving parents, you feel an incredible connection. And um, it has been an honor. It is an honor to walk beside someone else as they grieve the loss of their child. Mm-hmm. You know, child loss affects everything in your whole world. You know, I mean, we're homeschool moms, <laughs> you know, we're with our children and whether you're a homeschool mom or not, you, whether you're a mom or homeschool, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, your child um, is your first disciple and the Lord gave you these kids and you didn't expect for them to go home before you. Exactly. So um, there are definitely moments that are incredibly heavy, but that's just the sadness. Um, when I remember when, when people come to our hearts or home and they're in the first couple of years, um, that's really hard sometimes because we're hurting for them because mm-hmm. I remember them. So I don't think the memories of, of, you know, what you go through those first couple of years ever completely go away. And I'm glad because we can, you know, identify and remember that. Yeah. Right. But really it's a community kind of like homeschoolers where it's just like, oh, you get it. It's yeah. the stands. Because again, I didn't have any friends that had lost children that I knew of. Right. You know, and we homeschooled our whole lives. So now I know that many, many people um, lose children all the time, everywhere. So, yeah. And you know, the enemy thrives in isolation. So I appreciate you saying, maybe you feel this pain and you think no one can understand it, but the healing is actually in community. So for anyone who's listening, who thinks, oh, I just can't share with anyone. No one will understand. This is their call to say, no, go out and share because the enemy wants to keep you isolated. So he can tell you all these lies and just work on, you know, making you go into deep sadness and depression, but that's not the will of God for your life. So thank you for sharing that. The healing is when we're together. It is. And what you said is, you know, you're only hearing your own voice (laughs) instead of, and oftentimes those feelings are all valid. All of the feelings are valid and normal, but they aren't always a truth. Mm. And so when you're in a group of of others and people that are a little further down the road, they can speak truth. And it gives so much hope because you realize, oh, this is what's, this is where I'm headed. I need to continue grieving. I need to continue trusting Jesus. And this is, this is what the outcome is going to be. So yeah, it is a beautiful experience. Somebody said to me the other day, well, oh, a conference for grieving parents. <laughs> like, doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> and I said, actually, it's one of the most joyful places you could ever go. Wow. Sure, sure. There's going to be some tears. Mm-hmm. We have tears all the time anyway, right? If you're a grieving parent, but you walk in, it's at a church and there's a huge table where we all put a picture of our kids and we have roses sitting there and they have their names there. So that stays there the whole time. We have family style meals. Um, we have times of worship, not at the very first session because everybody's new, but yeah. in, after, uh, after a couple hours, everyone's all good friends yeah. and we worship together. We learn together. Um, there's breakouts where just the men are in a room and just the moms are in a room because our grief in some ways, there's some uniqueness, you know, Mm. to a mother's grief and a father's grief. And there's so many choices of, of workshops. Um, but no, it's a, it's a very uplifting, beautiful experience. And you go home with all these new friends, (laughs) you go home with other moms who get it. Right. You, you, I think as homeschoolers, there are some uniquenesses really to child loss. Um, for example, um, I was done homeschooling when Nathan went to heaven, mm-hmm. but 
so many homeschool moms get up on Monday morning and it's time to do school again. And you go to your dining room table and your child's not there. And so you are grieving and all those other little people around your table are grieving and watching you to try to figure out what do we do now? Right. Every field trip, every co-op class. Um, There are so many challenges and other homeschool moms can come alongside. And that was something we talked about, maybe talking about a little bit is what can we do to support a mom who's lost a child? You can, there's a whole bunch of things. So as a, as a homeschool mom, another uniqueness is at least for our family, I was never alone. (laughs) Again, I was done homeschooling when Nathan went to heaven, but if you're a homeschool mom, you can probably identify with that. You're together all the time. So right. that emptiness is very different. Yeah. And when you first lose a child, you're not just grieving, you're actually mourning. You know, that first year is very deep mourning and you need to have time alone. So mm-hmm. if you have a friend who's lost a child, don't just pick up one child, say, Hey, I want to take your whole gang and we're going to go get an ice cream cone, or we're going to go to the park to play and give that mom an hour by herself. So yeah. she can mourn. It's so important to be alone. And that's so hard to do when you're a homeschool mom. Um, Some homeschool families in the evening, dad will take the kids and go somewhere. And one night and then mom can take everybody and go somewhere another night, but it's just critical to have uh, that time. Another thing is at co-op, she might have responsibilities at co-op. And when you lose a child, your brain turns to mush. People call it brain fog. Um, there is a numbness that I believe the Lord gives us because otherwise we couldn't survive. You're just kind of numb. You're just kind of on autopilot. And so if you were teaching biology, you might not be very good at teaching biology for a while. And right. so if a friend can say, Hey, let me step in. I'd like to take your class for a few weeks. If you want to sit in there and be a resource, great. How about if I take that over for you for a while? Um, One of the things when someone, when the loss is very fresh, I want to just give a few practical things that are amazing, that are so helpful. Um, They're going to need food and supplies. Um, This is something that our community, right? Homeschool community is really good at is, you know, bringing trains. Yeah, that's really good at that. Um, Bring things in freezer containers, you know, freezer meals are great because even six months down the road, there are days that she has zero energy because yeah. of her. Yeah. And so that's, that's super helpful. Also, um, I saw on Facebook, uh, somebody called it grief groceries and I thought, okay, I'm going to take that term. I love this. Okay. So I love alliteration. Is, yeah. I love that. And so that's just basically don't call and say, Hey, what do you need at the grocery? Because she doesn't even know what she needs yeah. Yeah. At, at this point. We don't even know what we need. We just know that this is bad yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I am in shock and I don't know what I need. So just get what you would want. Get mm. paper goods, you know, if they have, cause they're having family in paper goods, um, the normal staple items you would get, take them, leave them on the porch and text and say, Hey, I brought you some groceries and they can just come out and get them and bring them in the house. Right. Maybe she'll want to see you, but maybe not. And don't be offended by that. Right. Um, you know, have no expectations mm. because, and, and a homeschool mom needs to lower her expectation for herself too. And her children, because um, this is an incredibly difficult time. Um, I don't know if you've ever read any books by H Norman, Wright. He actually just went to heaven just a month or so ago, but has written 50 or 60 books on grief. And um, he says that for a parent who loses a child it can take up to 10 years, he says, to quote, stabilize. Those are his wow. terms. So any wow. author 
um, you know, this is um, whether you had a miscarriage or whether you had a 25 year old, like I did yeah. this is your child in um, anyway. So a handful of practical things. Yeah. Uh, somebody, people always say, what should I not say? And I jotted some down. I would love to share these just because I didn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Gary pastored when we were first married and I look back and, oh, I hope that we were, didn't say all these things, but we might have, you know, we meant well, we just right. didn't, we didn't know. And, and I think I, people know that people understand that it's well-meaning intentions. And even mm -hmm. though it may not sit with them, they, they still in the back of their head know that the yeah. person meant well. Like for me, like I love that you're giving practical tips because I have the gift of gab, but when it comes to encouragement during difficult times, that's something I struggle with. I'm like, what are the right words to say? And even when you talk about the grocery, it's not you saying, let me know if you need anything or what do you need? Like, and they can't make any decisions at this point. You make the decision, you drop it off. They'll use what they need and they'll, you know, they'll put away what they don't need. So since you have the IUW background, I would love for you to help us with some language. So go ahead and share your tips. And then I have some more questions for you. Okay. okay. Um, so let me start with what not to say. Okay. So don't say, I know how you feel. Because right. It's, even, it's if, unique. even if you've had a loss, it's not the same loss. Um, don't say, at least you have other children. I had someone say to me, well, at least you have Ryan and, and Megan. That doesn't diminish the fact that Nathan's in heaven. He's separated from us now. So yes. anything that begins with at least, don't let it that silver lining. Exactly. No, it could have been least. worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or even, but at least, and, but whatever is, if it starts coming out of your mouth, just stop. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be helpful. Um, at least you had 25 years with him. That was another one. I'm wow. sure thankful. Oh man. I'm thankful for every moment, of course. but that's not helpful to say to someone. Um, when the loss is fresh, don't quote Bible verses because mm -hmm. they can't even hear them. They can't hear anything. Um, I'll tell you in a minute what you can hear um, and don't offer any advice when someone, the loss is fresh. So what can they hear? The best three little words you could ever say to a grieving parent is I'm so sorry, because that acknowledges the loss, lets them know that you are deeply sorry and doesn't give them anything else they have to try to think about and sort through. You're just grieving with them. The Bible says mourn with those who are mourning, right? right? And Not give them advice or yeah, give them a counseling yeah. session. Yeah. You know, Job's friends, everybody gives them a bad rap because it's true. After the first week, it just plummeted. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's because they opened their mouths, right? And started giving all this advice. But I give them credit that they came into a very uncomfortable situation. Job had lost everything. And these three guys said, hey, come on, we're going to go there. They put on sackcloth and ashes and they sat with him. So, you know, they they came. Don't avoid your friends who have lost someone. That is the most hurtful thing of all. So what can you say? You can say, I'm so sorry. You can say, I don't know what to say. I'm just so sorry. I love you. You can say things like that at the beginning. Those are appropriate. You are just mourning with them. Um, down the road. And not very far down the road, scripture is fantastic, of course, sending a card with an encouraging verse, just not right at the very beginning because they can't hear it. It just sounds like an empty platitude. Well, Romans 8, 28, all things work together. And I'm thinking, I just lost my son. That's not helpful. But you know what? Down the road, 
all the verses about suffering, all the verses about God's love, those are encouraging. Matter of fact, there is nothing more powerful than the word of God. That is the most powerful thing to bring comfort and healing and life, as you know, you know, to all of us. So extremely helpful down the road. I mentioned cards. Cards are awesome. I stink at putting cards in the mailbox. <laughs> I am so bad at it. I buy them. I have a whole drawer full, but I'm not very good at actually, I mean, an email is so much easier and an email is fine, but there's something very beautiful about a card. And when you send someone a card, it's going to sit by their kitchen sink and they're going to see it every day. Uh, my sister sent a card that had, and this was down the road a little ways, but had tons of Bible verses in it. And I still have that card eight years later. It's stuck in my Bible. That's how special that was. Another homeschool mom that we didn't know very well sent us a card once a month. Well, that probably didn't take too much time. But when Gary and I got that each month, we were amazed. So that first year, we knew that Pam was going to be sending us a card every month. Text messages are wonderful. And your text at the beginning is, I want you to know I'm thinking about you today and I'm praying for you you know, love you. And so, you know, it's just some, something simple. Um, I had a, a mom in one of our groups last week say that some, a friend of hers for the first year, get this, texted her every single morning, every morning, just to say, I want you to know I am praying for you today. Every single morning for a whole year. And she knew she was being supported in prayer. So there's a lot of very simple little things you can do. Um, but one thing I also want to mention, because it's come up so much, don't be offended if you ask a friend, hey, can you guys come over? Because you want to, you know, be a comfort. And they say yes. And then five minutes before they call and say, you know, I'm not coming. I can't come. If you've never grieved someone, it may not sound normal, but it is normal. Grief is like this, like, oh, I can do this today. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, I can't do anything. I have to go lay in bed. So that is the journey of grief. So you can be familiar Familiarize with grief. If you have someone who's grieving, there's a lot of good resources, just little booklets you can read and it helps you realize, oh, that's what they're feeling like. And it gives you grace um, to not feel hurt if, you know, they were supposed to show up and they didn't. It's not about you. It's, it's about grief. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not taking it personally and just understanding that their stage is in their waves and you never know where someone is and they may not know either because exactly. when they said yes they thought they were in the place where they were exactly. ready to see people and then right after they're like okay I'm not ready yet you know during the pandemic some people felt isolated and they were offended that others didn't check on them more and when there's any kind of economic or even racial turmoil people have heightened sensitivities and one may worry that they'll say the wrong thing but staying silent or not contacting somebody you know, after bereavement is also, or like if their country's at war or something like that, that also makes them feel isolated. So I love that you're saying, even with the text messages, you may not know what to say, but you just gave us several examples that are so quick and easy to type and share. So I love that you're sharing powerful ways for us to show up, whether it's via text or a card or, you know, dropping something on the porch. Cause I would have thought of the meal train or the grocery, but I probably wouldn't have thought of leaving it at the porch and saying, go check. I probably would have been like, hey, I'm coming over, right? So I appreciate you for sharing that piece. And I want to be clear, I don't want to compare the grief of loss to anything else, right? Like I know it's not a pandemic. I know it's not um, any other thing that I mentioned because it's so unique. I'm just trying to draw out different scenarios that other people may be familiar with 
um, even if they don't have children, even if they've never experienced this grief, just think about it. Because what you said, it's not rocket science, but there's so many people like me who have never thought, oh, I can do that. That's so easy. You know, so thank you for that powerful language, you know, and the powerful actions of organizing meal trades, frozen food. That's a good one because the food runs out, you know, like the first week they're getting deliveries like crazy. And yeah. then what? Well, and that's, I'm glad you said that the first week there. I'm, I'm glad you made that comment because it spurred another thought. Um, well, first of all, on the meals, you know, when we make a meal for our family, just double the recipe, stick it in a freezer thing and put it in your freezer. So it's really easy. It doesn't have to be a, a huge ordeal. Right. You're already cooking anyway, you know, but um, when you said that the first week, what happens in child loss and actually not just child loss, losing anyone, anyone who has lost anyone dear to them, everyone's with you at the beginning. And this is just normal. And, you know, they're with you, they're grieving with you, they're texting, they're calling, whatever. And then three or four months go on and they have to continue on with their lives. They do. This is a fact of life. And so for them, the grief is so diminished. Yeah, they might think about Nathan once in a while, but for a grieving mom or a husband who loses his wife, it's right here right here. The loss is so profound. Um, I love C.S. Lewis. Um, now I'm going to forget the name of the book. <laughs> uh, when he lost his wife. Um, I'll think of it in a second. But he talks about it was like his leg was amputated. And he says, I learned to walk again, but I'll never truly be a biped again. So in other words, there's, you know, you learn to live with your grief and you, your grief, your, your life blossoms around that grief, but they will always have grief for their child. They're not here. It's the separation. We actually miss Nathan more now today, eight years later, we miss him more every day because it's been longer since I've gotten to give him a hug and hear that laugh, you know, and just all those things have been longer, but we're not mourning. We're not mourning any longer. That's not your stage or your phase no, anymore. But no. You're and what you're saying is opposite to what people would say, time heals. And you're like, well, kind of, but eight years later, it's different. Yeah. Throughout time, the Lord gives you strength mm. and you learn to live around that grief. There's still moments that creep up, but you know, it might be once a week or sometimes a whole month might go by. And then there's just something that's just so, I just, oh, I miss him so much. You know, there's something that kind of spurs that. So there will always be moments of grief. Um, but it's not at all the same when the grief is new. But what I wanted to say was that I know probably everyone watching here can identify someone now who's lost, not just a child, but a spouse, a brother, you know, whoever. Um, what do you do a year down the road? Then when you're talking to them, things like instead of just they're showing up and it may be a year down the road. They're still hurting like crazy a year down the road. Let me just tell you, a year is nothing. It's like it happened yesterday. But saying I'm so sorry isn't necessarily the thing to say at that moment. The thing would be to say, um, you know, I think about you guys a lot. And I think about whoever their child is a lot. We miss him at co-op. Um, how are you doing with your grief? You know, genuinely saying, not just how are you, but how are you doing with your grief? Um, or do you have time to grab a cup of coffee? I have been thinking about Johnny. I would love to just sit and just talk. What a grieving parent wants more than anything is to talk, talk about their child. Give yeah. us that opportunity. Um, and again, not a consultation, not a counseling yeah. session, a yeah. listening session. Yeah. yeah. And just, or talking and talking about them, mm -hmm. you know, if they're at co-op and there's something um, that that child always did, 
you can say, you know, I miss his laugh. I miss hearing him laugh in my class. That is like giving us like us winning the lottery, seriously. And I had a I had a homeschool mom of mine that found a picture of Nathan with her children um, when we were doing a co-op many years ago. I'd never seen this picture. And this is probably two years ago. And she emailed it to me. I cannot tell you the joy that brought to me <laughs> to see a picture. So, you know, if you have a picture of their child, um, if you can write down a memory, speak their name. You know, the the biggest one of the biggest fears is that people will forget that that child is just as important as your children that are still here. They're just as important to you. And just like moms get together and talk about all your kids, bereaved moms want to talk about their kids too. So don't be afraid. Yeah. It's okay. People say, well, I'm scared to bring it up because maybe you're having a good day and you won't think about it. They're thinking about it. Prom mm. I promise you. <laughs> it's not, you're going to remind them that their child yeah. is they're right. thinking about it. Right. Every time you're watching their other kids that co-op, they're still thinking about that yeah. child. So that's the best gift you can give someone. Mourn with them at the beginning and don't forget. Bring up, bring up their name. Say their name. Send them send on their birthday, on a, you know, any special day. Every day is a grieving day, but yeah. especially heaven days, birthdays, Christmas, every single holiday that you might have get together as a family, July 4th, people don't realize how many of those there are mother's mm. day. Fathers. Yeah, that's a big one. You know, there's a lot of them. First day of school, first day of co-op, you know, these memories are so powerful and we're so thankful for memories, but yeah. they're also difficult. Yeah. So when you share the memory about something potentially happening that would make you laugh or that would make your child laugh, it made me wonder how does humor fit in and is it inappropriate, right? Like, so say, for example, you have a friend who is, you know, very playful. Is humor acceptable or yeah. obviously we know it's not a laughing matter, but when does humor yeah. come into play? If Absolutely. At all? Not at the very beginning. At the mm -hmm. very beginning, my, what I would say is you are mourning with them mm -hmm. and there's nothing appropriate, but mourning with them. Mm -hmm. The worst thing that could ever happen to someone mm -hmm. is in my opinion is mm -hmm. learning losing a child. So not the very beginning. However, after that initial thing, um, yes, you know, the, there will be times, hopefully that your friends will start laughing again and, um, something funny happens or, you know, down the road, just a bit, a memory of their child that was funny. That's wonderful. So, yeah, yeah I mean, we're, um, you know, but inviting the, them to a Christian comedy show in the beginning is not oh, going to do it. Not at all. Yeah. No. Actually, probably inviting them anywhere <laughs> except someplace quiet. And so yeah. it's very difficult to be in groups of people. It's very hard to go back to church, especially if that's the church where your child was sitting there in the row with you, mm. especially if that's the church where you had a memorial service. You're sitting there in the service and all you're thinking about is the memorial service. It's oh, replaying wow. over and over. Yeah. And then when you go to church, and this is just because we're all uncomfortable with mm -hmm. loss and grief. I mean, yeah. face it, our society spends billions of dollars a year to, to avoid suffering. We're, yes. we're not, oh yeah, yes. bring it on. You know, that's yeah. not what we do. So people are uncomfortable. So when someone goes back to church, one thing I think is just uh, really helpful is come in after the service starts and leave before the service ends. And mm. that you don't have to have that pressure of, you know, talking to everybody. So that's one thing. They may not be able to come back to Sunday school for a really long time because yes. that's a small group. Yeah. And it's like the elephant in the room. 
you know, when you're grieving so deeply, it's very difficult to be, um, well, we, we had just moved to Oklahoma five days later, Nathan died and we knew no one. And so, um, we, after we got back to Oklahoma, we started looking for a church because, you know, we were new in the community and, mm-hmm. um, I'll never forget this. <laughs> we went to, um, lots of them. And one Sunday we went to two of them at one time because we got going and the worship leader who I'm sure is a phenomenal person who loved Jesus, but, um, it was so, uh, what's the word? There was no acknowledgement at all that we live on earth and that people out here might actually be suffering. And then he said, now I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him your favorite picnic food. And I said to Gary, let's get out of here. <laughs> you know, my favorite picnic food, I'm sitting here, you know, just lost my child and you're jumping up and down, no acknowledgement of anything that has that's real with earthly life. And now we're supposed to share a picnic food with our neighbor. This isn't what I need. And yeah. we recognized that in every service, every Sunday morning, not just child loss, other types of loss, divorce, terrible types of suffering, chronic pain. So many people, I mean, we live on earth. We need to acknowledge yeah. that. I don't yeah. mean don't be joyful and praise. Don't mean that at all. Of course, but I, I understand. There need, yeah, there needs to be an acknowledgement of, okay, we're here on earth and so many in our congregation this morning are suffering. That's all it takes to identify with people. Yeah. yeah. Let me sure. ask Go ahead. Oh, I, I hear you 100%. Let me ask you about leaning in culturally, right? So I always thought it was best to give people time and space to process and let them know that you're there, right? Um, I had a situation where a friend lost her mom. This is probably four or five years ago. And my culture is you give them time and space. You know, I, I gave her, made sure she had meals, made sure she knew I was like just a call away. Just, you know, I would go over, but I gave her her time to grieve. Later, she shared with me that she was actually very saddened that I didn't spend more time with her because her culture was you bombard the family. You don't give mm-hmm. them any time to be alone, Right. And I didn't know that culturally. So I'm just trying to wonder if you've heard of any different cultural expectations and how to navigate. Like, like do you talk to every single friend and be like, hey, Russian friend, if you're if someone close to you dies, what do I do? Hey, Jamaican friend, yeah. you know, like, how do you navigate that? Because yeah. we were told do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. If I want quiet time, then that's what I'm going to give you. Not knowing I actually have to lean in and figure out what you want and do that. But how do you navigate those conversations? That's a really good question. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, And no, I have really not encountered that um, within our group of child loss. But I think my answer would be just to be honest and ask. So you did all those things. You took meals, you sent text messages, you you did show up. So you mm-hmm. gave her space, but you also did all the things you needed to do as a friend. Mm-hmm. But you could also just say, you know, hey, I would love to come over and just and cry with you, <laughs> be there with you. But I only want to do that when you want that, because right. then she would have felt free to say, come over, you know, I yeah. want you. So it's okay just to be honest, just to ask, just to say, I would love to come and just sit with you, mm-hmm. but I want that to be when you want that to be, right. you know, is, is this a good time or should I ask you again, you know, a few weeks down the road, just right. be honest. Yeah. Be transparent. Yeah. Yeah. Again, thank you for the powerful language and the practical tips, because a lot of times we just do what we think is best. And sometimes we just need to ask, like you're saying, just being transparent and saying, 
I have no idea what you're experiencing. I don't know what's best for you. And, you know, it's not the time to have them making a ton of decisions, but at least they, they hear your heart behind it. And if they are exactly. in a place to say it, then they'll share. Yeah. I love what you just said. Just to say that, you know, I don't know what's best. I, you know, but I would love to come and sit with you if that's something you want. And they're either going to say, you know, right now is not good. Yeah. You know, this isn't good. Then, you know, that's somebody maybe culturally that wants a little space mm. and, you know, um, but just being transparent is, and as believers, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Anyway? Right. Yes, it is. We're supposed to get into each other's um, pain. We're supposed mm. to bear each other's burdens you know, we're supposed to be honest. Um, that's what we're supposed to do anyway. We're just individualizing it. Yeah. Yeah. We're just all really good at, you know, kind of putting up that. that yeah. Wall. I appreciate that. Cause that just shows that there's no one size fits all. It's not no. Laura, what should we do for this person? No, ask no. that person because only they know what they need in that moment. Right. So I am so excited that you're doing a conference about this because what I learned from you in such a short amount of time, imagine all these people who are showing up, whether they're showing up bereaved, looking for support, or whether they're people like me who have no idea, well, had no idea, now I know some more, who had no idea what to do. And they're like, how can you equip me to have these powerful conversations, to do these practical things that when you say them, it's so simple, but until you really sit and be intentional about that thought, you really don't know. So please tell me more about that. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't know either. And um, there's also an online component that's really enjoyable. And we had the Indianapolis one um, a few months ago, we had about 225 people online. Wow. And so there's a very vibrant chat going on. And we have a team of three parents that facilitate that. But there's also a Zoom component if someone mm -hmm. wants to do that, where we break into small groups. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, they choose what they want to go to. Everyone gets all the recordings. There are so many good sessions this time. So it's really hard to choose out of only three out of all of those for the yeah. breakout groups. But um, everyone gets all the the videos are all on video. So um, yeah, we, we would love to have, if anybody can, we're not very far from Pennsylvania. We have a handful <laughs> of people already coming from Pennsylvania. We'd love to have you down here in Virginia um, or, you know, just to, to join us online, but there's more information at our website, ourheartsarehome.org forward slash conference. And, and it's April 12th through the 13th in Lynchburg, Virginia. It is. Yeah. All right. Any yeah. final thoughts, Laura? This has been such an introspective and igniting conversation. I guess I want to encourage two groups of people. And sure. one is the grieving mom. Um, I hope you can check out Our Hearts Are Home or another ministry of people that are um, depending on Jesus mm -hmm. <laughs> because that community of, of people is amazing. And just want to encourage you today, if you're a grieving mom, that even though you may feel so many people feel like the Lord is not with them, they just feel so far away. It's grief. Grief mm -hmm. is like dark colored glasses, totally black glasses where you can't see the person's eyes at all. They can't see anything. It's everything in your world is colored with that blackness. Mm -hmm. And even though you may not see the Lord there, he is right here. He is going nowhere. He's holding you even in the moments when you don't feel that, because that's totally normal, that is your grief. Mm -hmm. And so I, I hope that if you're a grieving mom, I just would love to encourage you, 
email me, call me, just want to encourage you. Um, and then if you're a friend of someone who's grieving, I want to encourage you to be bold. Don't worry if it's the wrong thing, because the wrong thing's still the right thing. If you tried, try, show up. So even if something slips out of your mouth, and I am sure I said probably a lot of those things on my list to not say, I imagine I said in the past, um, and, but don't not show up. Mm. If texting, sing cards, um, don't turn the other way. Because when, when, a, when a mom who's lost a child, even a year down the road comes to the co-op and they walk in the room, they're thinking about their child. Yeah. They're and so you know give them a hug say I think about you all the time that's all you have to say that's enough to make someone's week to just give them a hug and say I think about you all the time you know and I think about Nathan all the time I miss him and give her a hug and then you're off on your co-op and her heart has been lifted by you Mm -hmm. so just it's so we are so afraid of hurting each other and me too I don't want to say something hurtful right not doing anything is what is the wrong thing so yeah Yeah. encourage you all surround each other yeah yeah the absence of action and the silence laura thank you so much you'll continue to be in my heart and my thoughts and my prayers and i really appreciate your boldness and your tenacity and you turning this pain into purpose so i'll just continue praying for your strength and your comfort and for the impact and the legacy that you're creating and continue to make each day thank you so much for your service and your ministry thank you so much for having me here i really appreciate it appreciate being able to share Thank you. Tell us that website once more. It's ourheartsarehome.org. It's O-U-R, hearts, A-R-E, home.org um, forward slash slash oh, conference. Yeah, the name is, you know, our, I'll tell you where the name actually came from. It's many years ago, I had thought about writing a blog called My Heart is Home because I'm a mm-hmm. homeschool mom. That's mm-hmm. where I originally thought. And then when Nathan went home to heaven, um, Gary and I just thought, you know what? That's where our hearts are. Our hearts mm-hmm. are with Jesus. As a believer, that's really our home. Um, our citizenship is in heaven. That's what the Bible says. And that lives here. Exactly. So our hearts are home for a homeschool mom can have two meanings, really. You know, your your children are your first disciples. The Lord has mm-hmm. given his children and trusted them to you um, to love them and raise them and teach them. Um, but our hearts are also, our hearts are home means in heaven. Understood. Thank you so much for sharing. Like this has been a great learning experience and, you know, everyone can benefit from this, whether which, whichever one of those groups that they're in. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you.